Nightcap, the second season, the third episode. For Evan Hartman, I'm Connor Shue. Got a big slate of sports today. Let's just get right into it with men's college basketball, which just started not too long ago. Ohio State, as a matter of fact, had their first game on Monday. 79-73 Buckeyes beat the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, a team that fans would have uh, wanted the Buckeyes to beat by a little bit more. And Evan, you called this game on SGSR, so tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I had the pleasure of calling this one with Gabe Payne. It was a good game. Um, you know, Ohio State, obviously, it was close for a long time, a lot closer than Ohio State fans would want to, like you said. But, I mean, the new guys, like there's a lot of new guys on the team, whether they be transfers or a lot of freshmen as well. Um, one guy that really highlighted Scotty Middleton, as we mentioned, you know, 28 minutes. Um, he went four for seven from the field, and two of those shots being three-pointers and two really big three-pointers on back-to-back possessions, I believe. So he had 13 points. Um, he had eight rebounds as well. Um, five of those come on the offensive side. Um, and he was three for four from the stripe. So he looked good, and, you know, he made a lot of plays. I said this a lot of times in the broadcast that won't come on the stat sheet. Uh, he made a lot of good hustle plays, uh, made a, lot, a really good save out of bounds to produce a Ohio State fast break that turned into two points. Um, so he just played a lot of hustle defense, a lot of hustle offense, and just got to every loose ball, was going everywhere. And uh, I think Ohio State friends will be really happy to watch this Scotty Middleton kid play. He had a pretty good performance, and overall the team shot 46% from the floor, but only 28% from three. Bruce Thornton, though, he did shoot three for seven from deep and shot eight free throws, made all of them. He had 17 points. Three guys had 17 points for the Buckeyes. Bruce, Roddy Gale Jr., and Zed Key. Coming off the bench, actually, for Evan Mahaffey, the transfer from Penn State, getting his first start in his first game with the Buckeyes. He didn't score, but it seemed like he made himself, made his presence known a little bit on the defensive end. Yeah, and one thing for the Buckeyes is um, the turnovers definitely need to be limited. Uh, they had 13 turnovers, and they only forced nine last night. So that's one thing that I think Coach Holtman and uh, all the Buckeye faithful want to see is um, that to be limited. But nonetheless, they got the win. Um, they played well. Uh, like yeah, you mentioned, Evan Mahaffey came off – or started, actually. Um, I actually had the pleasure of playing Mahaffey in middle school, and uh, dude was good. You could tell he was good from then. And, yeah, he only got 14 minutes, second-fewest minutes from a starter – uh, right right in front of Felix Akpara, but Akpara got into foul trouble early. He actually finished with, I believe, four, but so did Mahaffey. They both got into foul trouble early, and so did Zed Key. That was a big thing to look at. If you get into foul trouble with those two big – you're really your big men are Akpara and Zed Key and Mahaffey every once in a while. But if those two get into foul trouble against a really good team like that, you're going to have a really hard time beating them. So turnovers and foul trouble were um, definitely the negatives to highlight for Buckeye fans. But like you said, 1-0, they got the win uh, at home, so good for them. And that's something that people have always said about this Buckeye team. It seems like year after year they lack a little bit of size down low. And Akpara, he did put on about like 20 pounds in the offseason, so definitely a bigger guy. And, you know, he's 6'11 as well, I think up to 230, 240 range right now. But he's the only guy who's really true center size. Zed Key is kind of in that mold, but he's more 6'8", 6'9". More of a power forward, and you could argue Mahave, he's kind of a small ball center type of guy at Six foot six. He's got a big body and he can definitely bang down low, but I don't know. That'll look interesting for the rest of the season for the Buckeyes. We'll see how they hold up with that, but they've done fine in the past without size, so who knows? They might this season, but on the Oakland side, they had a couple guys who were really balling last night. I mean, Trey Townsend, 17 points, nine boards, four assists. He was a guy who people were really looking to going into this game. 
yeah, Trey Townsend played well. You know, he played well down in the paint. Um, had a lot of good turnover, or excuse me, a lot of good fadeaway buckets um, that he gave to Zed Key and even Felix Akpara. And that's not easy to get a shot over Felix Akpara being that tall. Uh, he played well down in the paint. He forced a lot of turnovers. Um, not only did he do well on the offensive side, but he did very well on the defensive side. Uh, another familiar face for the Buckeyes going up against Rocket Watts. Uh, Watts actually was 2-1 and one going into this game against the Buckeyes, playing three games against them at Michigan State. Gave them 21 game and then gave them about nine and six the other two games. So, you know, he had his way with the Buckeyes every once in a while, but tonight comes in, no points, and gets the loss. So didn't do much against the Buckeyes today. But, yeah, Michigan State transfer coming over. Um, he's actually on his third school now at Oakland. Um, but, yeah, you know, like you mentioned, he played well. Golke, another really big highlight. Six for 18 from the field and six from 18 from three. Only shot three-pointers. Um, 18 points all came from there as well. No no, no shots from the free-throw line either. So, um, you know, he made a bunch of big threes down the stretch that really kept Oakland in this game. Yeah, I was watching the game a little bit too and just watching him come off the screens and chuck every time he touched it. That was, that was pretty impressive, you know. Love to see a shooter like that in Rocket Watts. I remember how big of a prospect he was in high school. I think he was a five-star, one of the top he in his class. He played with Lamelo as well. Uh, he was on Lamelo's team, so he was he was really a guy. But unfortunately for him, it just has not panned out at all in college ball. But we're gonna move away from the Buckeyes in men's basketball for now. We'll talk about the Buckeyes a little bit more just a bit later. But Staying in the Big Ten, James Madison beat number four Michigan State, one of the top teams in the Big Ten in the nation. Obviously, their guy, Michigan State, Tyson Walker, he dropped 35, but didn't really seem to matter. Yeah, Michigan State, uh, you know, they played Tennessee um, in an exhibition game earlier in the year. Tennessee was missing two all-SEC guys, uh, and they put it on Michigan State. Uh, I mean, it was it was a blowout. Uh, Tennessee looked really good against Michigan State. Um, and everyone was just, you know, it's an exhibition game. Who cares? So what? Well, First game of the season, JMU, the Dukes come in and beat Michigan State. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, they had a lot of good guys. Uh, like you mentioned, especially Walker, dropped 35. But other than that, only one guy reached double-digit points for the Spartans, and that was Carr off the bench. Other than that, you had four, 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 and nine from your starters. So doing that's not going to help you win games, especially against teams that, uh, like this James Madison team, who, you know, they shared the wealth as well. Their starting lineup had 21, 24, 5, and 7, you know, not as well spread out, but still spread out between two guys. And they had even Green come off the bench with 13 points. Um, so, you know, like you said, Michigan State had their guy go off for 35, but just wasn't enough to get the job done. Absolutely was not. Seems like James Madison, all their athletics, just kind of channeling the anger from not being able to be, well, bowl eligible in football as they've been really good on the gridiron this year. I think they're undefeated. They're, yeah, they're yeah. undefeated, but I was looking for their ranking. I'm pretty sure they're like number 20 in the nation or mm -hmm. something like that. And the new rankings are going to come out when this podcast is recorded tonight, and you'll hear about those in a couple of days when it's released. But I digress on that front. But A.J. Hogard, Jaden Akins, Malik Hall, Maddie Sissoko, all the other starters other than Tyson Walker, guys you expect to – produce alongside him they just didn't have the games that they would want to have as you said uh Evan is there anything else you want to talk about college basketball wise uh no not really other than just we've already talked about the Big Ten and they just kind of look shaky you know they haven't looked great obviously Purdue looked dominant uh, and you got four or five games tonight Michigan and um Indiana being two of those um so yeah Mich Big Ten looked a little shaky in basketball to start the season but we'll see if they can pick that up uh later on the season but that's about it for me and going on the other side for the Buckeyes, their women's basketball team, they tipped off 
on Monday as well. They had their hands full with a pretty good USC team, number 21 in the nation. But the Buckeyes, number seven in the nation of the preseason polls. So they're pretty good themselves, but they dropped that one by about nine points. J.C. Sheldon, she dropped 28 in the loss. I think the score was... Let me pull it up here for a second. I'm looking at Colorado and LSU right now, one we'll talk about here in a second. But Ohio State, they lost 83-74 to to USC. They debuted their star freshman, Juju Watkins, and she went off. She had a very, very good game for that team in her debut. And, I mean, Buckeyes, they just couldn't really get over the hump with her. Yeah, you know, Ohio State trailed early, uh, especially in the first quarter, first half. They ended up making a little bit of a comeback, and I believe after the third, yeah, they outscored them 30-10 to 10, um, in the third quarter. Um, but before that, got outscored 31-10 to 10 their own self. So, you know, it was kind of give and take between the Buckeyes, and, you know, they live and die by that three ball. J.C. Sheldon, two for five from three. Um, other than that, only three other combined made three-pointers, one from Ricky Harris, one from Cody McMahon, and one from Taylor. So um, Ohio State, like I said, they're going to live and die by that three ball. And only making five of 21, shooting 23.8% from the three-point line is not going to do it for you, especially for a team like them who, as I said, they, they love to shoot this three-pointer. And they're missing Taylor Mike's out for the first time. Uh, she was one of those big three-point shooters that really helped carry that three-point shooting uh, percentage as a whole. But, yeah, like you said, Theory goes off for 16 uh, Sheldon goes off for 28. She had a great game. I mean, that's something you expected to come out of J.C. Sheldon. Uh, Taylor, the transfer from Duke, uh, her debut for the Buckeyes, she dropped seven points, um, but she had five fouls. And so another thing to look at is the Buckeye fouls. Yet again, men's team, women's team, both do it. Um, you know, your starters had four for McMahon, three with Theory, two with, two early ones with Sheldon, and five for Taylor, and then four for Ricky Harris. So they're getting in foul trouble. Um, and that's just another thing. You know, this Ohio State team is going to be good. They made the long run last year in the March Madness on the women's side. They're going to be good. Uh, but this USC team is good. Uh, a lot of people had them ranked higher than 21. The AP poll didn't. Um, I think this USC team is going to shock a lot of people. Absolutely are. And back to Juju Watkins, I couldn't get those stats out because the site I'm looking at just refuses to load her points. But found another source, and she did indeed drop 32 points in her college debut against a pretty good Buckeye team, as you said. They were helped by Rhea Marshall, who had 18 and 17 boards. Then Mackenzie Forbes, she rounded out the squad with 11 points herself. Going in a bit of a different direction in women's college basketball, there was a pretty big upset. LSU, number one team in the nation. They faced Colorado in their season debut. Colorado. Not a bad team at all. Number 20 in the nation. But LSU, people are saying they're looking like a college super team. Colorado pulls up to LSU, and they win 92-78 to off the strength of Frida Foreman. She dropped 27 points and hit seven threes in the game. So how about Colorado, Evan? Yeah, you know, Colorado, they also um, got a lot of votes to be in the top 25. And, um, you know, they were 20th. And, yeah, this LSU team, a lot of people – they obviously won it last year with Angel Reese, and a lot of people thought they could go back-to-back, -back and then get a transfer in Haley Van Lith from Louisville, and everyone was, you know, like, well, there goes the season. I mean, there's not much people that can beat that super team. Well, Colorado goes in there and beats them. And, I mean, they were they all shared the wealth for sure. You look at their starting lineup, 24, 27, and 19 points just in their starting lineup. They really carried the way because other than them three, no one else had above eight points. Um, so they really carried the way. Angel Reese had 15. Uh, Van Lith dropped 14, but 
Reese got into foul trouble early as well. She had four fouls. Um, another thing is the turnovers. Um, both teams had a lot of turnovers in this game, but Colorado was able to handle them a lot better uh, than LSU was. And so, again, LSU, somewhat of a new team together um, for the first time this year. It'll be interesting to see if they can gel and uh, bounce back from this. But, yeah, the number one ranked team in the nation dropped by the number 20th ranked team. It's a big thing to see in the first day. Absolutely is. And, yeah, I bet – they find a way to come back and play pretty well later on down the stretch. Maybe a bit of a wake-up call right at the top of the season for LSU after the big season. Haley Van Lift, she'll come around. Angel Reese, she'll come around. Flaugé Johnson, she'll come around. She only scored three points in the loss, which is not something you like to see if you're Kim Mulkey. But Samaya Smith, she dropped 16 points, a name that not a lot of people might know for that LSU team, but... She played pretty well, and they've got Kateri Poole off the bench, ex-Ohio State player. She played pretty well with the Buckeyes, and is with LSU right now making an impact. But yeah, LSU, solid team. I think they'll be okay, but that'll do it for women's college basketball. Let's go on to the NFL. First guy I want to talk about is the man Josh Dobbs, traded by the Cardinals to the Vikings when Kirk Cousins went down with a big injury. He's out for the season. Sucks for the Vikings, but Josh Dobbs, you know, he's not going to let anything bad happen. Apparently, he's an aerospace engineer, so real smart guy, and that could explain why he came in to that team with maybe three days of prep and a completely new offense to him and balled out and led them to a win. Yeah, you know, he came in with the team for, what, five days, so only you're not prepping all those five days, so only, like you said, maybe two, three, four maybe days of prep, and yeah, came in and got the job done. Did a great job there. Um, I mean, he yeah, he just looked good throwing. He actually was the leading rusher in this game with 66 yards and a touchdown, uh, points wise. Um, but yeah, you know, he looked good on the offensive side. I mean, or Minnesota looked good on the offensive side. Excuse me. Yeah, Josh Dawson for two touchdowns, 158 yards. Uh, he had seven carry attempts. So they're learning to use him in more than ways than just throwing the ball. Hawkinson looked good. Um, he had a lot of re- lot of receptions uh, from Dobbs, and yeah, like you said, Minnesota pick up picks up the guy, and you know they, he gets it done. So good for them. Yeah, he did pretty well. He supplanted Jaron Hall, the rookie who went down in the game with an injury, I think, and came in and you know did his best and got his squad the win against the Atlanta Falcons, who are without Desmond Ritter. I think he is actually benched right now, and they continue to target their backup tight ends more than Kyle Pitts, which is interesting. Johnu Smith, five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown to Kyle Pitts, four catches, 56 yards. So an interesting thing to look at there in Atlanta. B. John Robinson as well getting out carried by Tyler Allegier, something people are not too happy about. But that's enough talk about the Falcons and the Vikings. I think there's someone we really need to talk about right now. His name is C.J. Stroud, 470 yards, five touchdowns, beat the Buccaneers in ridiculous fashion. That was a fun one, Evan. Yeah, it was a fun game overall, and the Bucks played well. Buccaneers, should I add, they played well. Baker Mayfield there for two touchdowns, 265 yards. Um, I mean, he, he looked good. He he played good, but C.J. Stroud looked a lot better throwing, like you said, for the 470 yards and five touchdowns. And, I mean, if he's not the front runner for the rookie of the year, especially offensive rookie of the year after this, I don't know what makes him – I was watching some shows this morning. I mean, they were talking if he has another game, obviously five touchdowns, almost 500 yards is not likely to come by yet again for him. But, I mean, if he plays continuously well, goes for that 200, 300-yard mark, gets two touchdowns, three touchdowns, and limits those interceptions. I mean, a lot of people are considering him for a dark horse 
not a, not a favorite, but a dark horse for that MVP caliber. I mean, it's a long shot, but it's not something you can't. You I mean you got to pay attention to it. I mean, throwing for 470 yards and five touchdowns against any defense is good. Doing it under the bunks is even better. Uh, and you look at who he threw to. I mean, six receptions, ten receptions, six, three, one, two, two. I mean, he shared the ball well. Um, Noah Brown, former Buckeye as well, 75-yard touchdown. Um, he had six receptions for 153 yards. Dawson Schultz had 130 yards, two X. Uh, excuse me. Um, Cowboys right there, also with the touchdown. And yeah, I mean, CJ Stroud shares the wealth well. He ran the ball uh, for 10 yards. So, I mean, he looked good all around. And yeah, like you said, just something that, you know, the NFL has been put on notice. And maybe uh, the Panthers are, you know, kind of looking at was he really the number two pick or should he have been the number one pick? And for that MVP case, he is seventh in the NFL in passing yards with 2,278, seventh in passing touchdowns with 14. And that's against one interception so far so he's really been protecting the ball pretty well his he has the third longest pass in the NFL this year 75 yards he's got that arm that people were questioning a little bit going into the year which was a little interesting but that's been put in the dirt pretty quickly and obviously as I mentioned one pick he's got the lowest pass interception percentage the lowest the lowest amount of passes in the NFL to interception ratio so you know Pretty good. Didn't explain it too well right there, but who cares? So, moving on from that one, looking around the NFL a little bit more. A couple more good games, you could say. Browns, they shut out the Cardinals 27-0. First time they've had a shutout in a long time, but that's not really what we're looking for. Dolphins-Chiefs, the rematch of Tyreek Hill, or, well, him coming back to Kansas City to meet back up with his old team. He played pretty well, 62 yards receiving, you know, not bad, not his usual output, but they lost. The Chiefs got the better of him, Evan. Yeah, and the Dolphins only scored in one quarter. I mean, they scored 14 points in the third quarter. Uh, no one scored in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, the Dolphins are a 6-3 and three team that, I mean, they might be the worst 6-3 and three team. And they've played a lot of bad teams. They don't have a win over a – I think it's uh, – they don't have a win over a team with a 500 – percent record or better in over like 600 days now obviously that includes the offseason but I mean they just they don't beat teams that are good like the teams they beat if you look they beat the Chargers who if you look at their record not great their record is four and four right now so they have a chance to be over 500 but obviously they're not they beat New England not very good they beat Denver not very good New York Carolina two not good teams with very you know below average performing quarterbacks they beat new england again not very good i mean it looks at the teams they lost to buffalo they lost to philly they lost to kansas city those are three very good teams but they're only beating you know the bad teams you got las vegas coming up las vegas is also four and five so not a chance to break that streak of not beating an over 500 team but after that you got new york jets again you got the jets this time sorry they played the giants earlier and beat them 31 16 but you got the jets coming up Speaking of the Jets, you got Zach Wilson, who just does not look very good. Aaron Rodgers is definitely being missed uh, there on the Jets' sideline. Maybe a comeback, he's been hinting at it. But like you said, it'll be definitely interesting to see their upcoming schedule because they are 6-3. and three. You know, they, their um, division's not the best, um, but they have a chance to win it. So, I mean, that's all that matters. You win the division, you get in. So, it'll be interesting to see how they do against teams that are, you know, kind of mediocre, teams that aren't as good. Uh, especially ones coming up like Tennessee, like Washington who's been playing well uh, with Dallas, with Baltimore, with Buffalo again. So it would be interesting to see that coming up. And speaking of the Jets, they got they got beat pretty bad on Monday Night Football, 27-6 to at the hands of the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. Wilson, he did throw for 263 yards, but 
Lost the game. Evan, is there anything else you're looking at in the NFL in this past week? Uh, just the Bengals. Bengals Bills is a good game. Uh, we saw. I don't know. I mean, how many people saw? But the stripe the stadium looks sweet. The Bengals pulled it off. They striped the stadium, kind of like a kneeling checkered flag. Um, it looks sweet. Uh, Bengals look good. Looked to see like they were all back. And then one thing I really wanted to highlight is George Pickens. I feel like he's not being used as much. And I don't know if anyone follows him on social media or anything, but um, a lot of people are comparing it to kind of becoming an A-B situation where, you know, he gets frustrated with the team. Uh, for a minute there, Pickens deleted every picture of him that included the Steelers. Um, and someone went back and looked at all the Steelers' recent posts, and they posted in the last, like, 25, 30 posts. They picked, posted Pickens one time. Um, and they, like, you know, they share the wealth. And, you know, it might be just people overreacting, looking into things that don't need to be looked into. But he's not being used well at all. And he even posted on his – I think he took to his Instagram story or Twitter – um, after the game and just said that, use me. He needed to be used more. I um, mean, you look at it, he just didn't have a lot of targets. He only had two receptions on five targets. Um, I mean, him and Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, they need to be getting the more of the wealth, and Deontay Johnson is, and it's been proved why he should. But Jalen Warren getting more than as many as him, you know, just stuff like that. So I really think that George Pickens, that's something to keep your eye on. And uh, I don't think he'll be moved anytime soon, but definitely something to keep your eye on as the frustrations arise. In the unfollowings and the taking down of the pictures, that's usually stuff that people read into a little bit too much in sports, it seems. But there is definitely warranted frustration for him. He's a pretty good talent, and overall it's just not really working with a fairly inept Steelers offense, as people say. Kenny Pickett only had 160 yards through the air despite the win. He didn't turn the ball over, which is pretty big, but overall they've had kind of a shaky season despite being 5-3. and three which is mind-boggling for a lot of people. They've got a negative point differential right now. They're giving up 163 points on the season. They've only scored 133, so giving up a 30-point difference there, which is pretty ridiculous. And they're being outgained. They've been outgained almost every game. I don't know about last game. I didn't check the stats. Before last week, they were outgained, I think, every game, if I'm not mistaken, and they're still 5-3. and three. Crazy. Crazy stuff, absolutely. People are still calling for the firing of their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, who some say is a little not ideal in his play calling. And I can't say I'm watching every Steelers game, but from what I've seen, I can agree a little bit. But that'll do it for our NFL talk. So we got one more thing. The National Basketball Association, the NBA, looking at it right now. Where I think we're still on Wemby watch right now. He's been playing pretty well to start his career. Leading the Spurs right now, or, well, you could say Devin Vassell is leading the Spurs. It's those two guys kind of the top with Kelton Johnson. But Wemby getting so many touches. They're 3-4 and four to start, so they've been pretty solid to begin the year. Wemby and Yama averaging 19-8-2 to go with a steal and almost three blocks per game. And he's putting up threes, five a game, showing off that handle in almost every game he's looked incredible especially in that game against phoenix not too long ago on the second dropped 38 points and 10 boards and a w against a pretty good suns team albeit without a couple of their stars but a good suns team and he's shown these flashes early he looks like he might be one of the better rookies ever yeah and like you mentioned you know he's playing well and um you know it's a big help because a lot of people you know obviously he was a really uh hyped up rookie coming into this year and a lot of people were wondering if he could live up to it and he's doing well but another rookie that I want to highlight is Chuck Holgram. Chuck Holgram's playing very well for the Thunder, and the Thunder are playing well. I've always been a big Thunder fan. I've always liked Thunder. I liked him when Russ was there. I liked him when KD was there. Uh, now SGA is leading the way along with Giddy, Dort, Williams, Holgram, all of them. So, 
you know, Holgram's playing well. Last night, or so, yeah, last night he had 16 points, 12 rebounds to put up a double double for him. Um, you know, they looked good as well, but no games on the night to look forward to, unfortunately. Um, but a lot of good games on last Monday or Monday, yesterday, as we mentioned, they played well. The Warriors and Pistons played a good game, um, and the Bucks Nets played a really good game. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back at that one, Bucks and Nets, 129-125. Milwaukee won that one off the strength of Giannis, per usual, 36-12 and for the Greek freak. And Damian Lillard, he backed him up a little bit, 21 points, 9 for 10 from the line, but he shot 5 of 15 from the floor. So not ideally what you're looking for. He's been off to a bit of a shaky start, but you know what really picked him up? It was the bench. They looked really good. Jay Crowder, he dropped 15 and 5. Bobby Portis, 11 and 6. Pat Connaughton, 10 points. Campaign, 11 points. That's four guys off your bench that you're getting double digit points from, more than your starters in total. And then for the Nets, of course, the sensation of Cam Thomas went off 45 points on 33 shots. He is fearless out there, one of the more fun guys to watch in the NBA. And that makes for pretty good basketball, especially when you mix in a little Macal Bridges, 31 points, and some more action. Yeah, and as we mentioned, a couple games. Obviously, no games tonight. Good games coming up tomorrow, though. Cavs, Thunder uh, should be a good one there. Celtics and 76ers should be a really good game. Obviously, two big players to watch, Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid. Tatum averaging 38-3. and oh, Embiid averaging 32-11-6. So that should be a really good game. Um, in my opinion, probably my game of the night tomorrow. But again, you got to look at the Bucks and Pistons. I know you were talking about them carried on the backs of Giannis. Look for Giannis to have a triple double tomorrow. If I could, if I could submit anything a, a long shot, I want Giannis to have a triple double tomorrow. He's done it all the time against the Pistons. He's done it actually. I was looking at this earlier. Four of the last five games against the Pistons for him has been a triple double. Um, so look for him to go off tomorrow. If I had to pick a player to go off tomorrow, it'd, it'd be Giannis for sure. I mean, Giannis, he's liable to go off almost every night, it seems like. Obviously, he's seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA guy, two-time All-MVP. Two-time MVP. He's had a ridiculous resume to this point, and he's a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame, maybe a top-20 greatest player of all time when it's all said and done. 26 points, nine boards a game, three assists per game as well. But you look at that Pistons team, and they're not – they are two and six – Granted, but they've got some guys who could possibly give Giannis some problems. They got the rookie, Azar Thompson, who has been incredible defensively. Hasn't shot the ball well, but that hasn't really mattered. The 6'7 forward, Azar Thompson, got some ball handling chops. He's averaging four assists a game, but obviously that's not what I'm talking about here. He's grabbing nine boards a game. Get one and a half steals a game, two blocks per game. For the 6'7 kid, who's only about 210 pounds, he's getting up there and blocking centers, guarding one through four. That would include Giannis if he was matched up against him in this game, and I could definitely see him going toe-to-toe with him a little bit. Yeah, Thompson, um, you know, could be interesting to see him, especially, you know, if his matchup is against Giannis tomorrow. But, yeah, you know, like you said, always always viable to go off. Um, But, yeah, a lot of good games on tomorrow night. Um, but I think that about wraps it up for our NBA portion. Unless you got anything else to add, Connor? I don't think I do, except for the Cavs are playing tomorrow. Really going to be looking for them to unleash Don a little bit more. Of course, that's Donovan Mitchell. Him and the Cavs are 3-4 and four right now, and they're playing OKC the second time they've played them in about a week. So 
They're going to be going up against Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who actually might not be playing. I think he's been having a bit of an ankle thing, but if he plays, he's a problem, obviously. They got Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, who's been great, as you said earlier. Giddy, he's an incredible all-around type of guy, especially on offense. And you could go on Lou Dort, even guys like Alexei Pokashevsky off the bench. Really interesting guy, an interesting team overall, but... I'm going to be looking for them to start meshing a little bit more with DG and Jared Allen coming back into the fold. They actually debuted not too long ago against the Warriors in the last game they played. They actually beat the Warriors for the first time since 2018, which was really a nice sight to see for myself and I'd imagine most other Cavs fans. But with that, that's the rest I've got to add about the NBA. Yeah, that's about it. And one thing I do want to talk about real quick is MLB. I'll hint on it just real quick. Um, You know, Season's obviously over. Rangers won the World Series. Kind of an anticlimactic um, World Series, if you ask me. Uh, the Rangers got it done, though, uh, against the Diamondbacks. Um, 5 nothing was the game, was the final uh, in Game 5. Um, yeah, you know, it was kind of a, you know, the the uh, divisional series, the ALCS and LDS, all those were, you know, a little bit more exciting than this one. But nonetheless, you know, Texans fans, uh, they get their win. Um, 4-1, uh, it was a pretty easy um, win for them and yeah just kind of a little bit of a boring thing but definitely want to talk on about it as it is the World Series and um, another major sport comes to an end. It absolutely deserves some love and you look at that Rangers team they did kind of overmatch the D-backs in this one I mean they were 82 and 80 coming into the playoffs and were absolutely a dark horse in every single series that they played and Sometimes those teams go all the way to the end and get it done, but sometimes the talent is just a little too much to get over when you've got Nathan Ivaldi coming out there. He was 5-0 and in the postseason. I think – I'm going to fact-check this real quick, but I think I saw something the other day saying he was one of the first guys to ever have five wins an entire postseason, which, if that's the case, that is just incredible. He's – possibly the best pitcher in that postseason just based on the postseason production obviously there's guys who are bigger names and have done more previously but he's etched himself into history as a world series legend with the rangers yeah and another legend uh, for the rangers was will smith first player to win three world street three straight world series with three different teams um you know he did it obviously uh with the rangers but I mean, yeah, that's just a crazy feat that almost any one team he's on, it seems to be that they win uh, the World Series. If I was a GM, I'd be throwing all kinds of money at him, almost guaranteeing your team a, uh, a World Series there. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's he just got a knock for being in the right place at the right time. Um, he's been a really good relief pitcher for, I think, about 12 years now. Um, I know he was the first player to do it. So, um, yeah, and it was also the Rangers' first title. Um, so that's pretty cool for him or for them to see, and he did it with them. So, uh, yeah, just a props to the Rangers uh, for pulling that one out. Shout out to the Texas Rangers. Congratulations to them for the World Series win. Big for them. Pretty sure that was the first in the franchise's history. So that'll about wrap it up here at the Nightcap for our third episode in the second season of this show's existence. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We'll see you next week.